The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to episode 700 of the IGN UK podcast. Uh, we did something incredibly special and didn't just pull this out at the last minute. Um, it's the two mats, and it's also the first episode of Wes. Hi, how's it going? Welcome. Good, thank you. Yeah, the first episode of Wes is something I might have written when I was a kid uh, on a piece of paper <laughs> once and uh, just left it behind. But yeah, it's um, it's quite intimidating to to be on a to be here and know that people might be listening. So hopefully, I don't mess it up. It's horrifying and it never gets any easier. The greatest um, thing, it, though, is this is the best IGN podcast out of all of them because, A, we get to speak about everything. We're not platform-specific. And it's the one where you can be a little bit salty if you're a bit angry about something. We'll say a rude word. No one can stop us. It's the British way. Yeah, absolutely. So, Wes, uh, if you want to give people a little bit of background, like, you know, people might have heard about you before, might have seen some stuff that you've done. Yeah, I won't presume. Um, I So, I'm the um, IGN's new UK news editor, um, and I used to work for a UK video game website called Eurogame. I worked there for 13 years in various different roles, um, mostly focusing on news. And if any, if I'm known for anything in, in the industry, I guess it's for, for investigative reporting, original reporting, interviews, that sort of thing. So when the opportunity came up to do some of that for IGN, I just couldn't say no. I mean, it's IGN, right? So... Um, so that's yeah, what everybody what says. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually, I am, I am genuinely thrilled, and this is like, for me, this is day five, and mm. uh, there's been a lot to wrap my head around, um, but it's been a lot of You've, fun. You have been thrown into the deep end this week, which we will get into shortly. Uh, but first, every time that somebody joins the show, we have to ask them three very important questions, <laughs> of which the first one is: What is your favorite game? Um, I, um, I mean, this one was it was easy to think about because because I've thought about this relatively recently. Um, Street Fighter, um, mm. and I say Street Fighter as a sort of like collective franchise because um, Street Fighter Two was the one that you know I grabbed me. But I don't think anyone in their right mind would go, "I'm going to play Street Fighter Two now." I mean, sure. it's it's not a good game to play in you know 2023. So it's just so slow, and it's all special moves. There's no normals. There's no you know. Well, of, it's just yeah. you know the balance is ridiculous. You know you mm-hmm. can you know kill someone in in a few hits. It's just you know it. But you know obviously it's iconic um, um, and um, influential, and you know defined my childhood really um i mean i um i grew up in south london and i would play 
Street Fighter after school almost every day in Streatham Mega Bowl. Um, uh, and just in a relatively brutal environment where it was a very intimidating sort of atmosphere. And if That's you, how you get good. I mean, Fear is the biggest uh, motivator. <laughs> and uh, just trying to learn from people who I thought were je- like genuine gods at Street Fighter, who probably in the grand scheme of things weren't, but to me was just so incredible. And I'll never forget one my um, seeing two people sat at the cabinet in Megabon Streatham each of them picked Zangief, and the rule was, and there's a massive crowd around the cabinet, the rule was um, the round would kick off, both Zangiefs would sort of like trundle towards each other, and the first player to, to land the spin power driver would win the match. Literally, that was the end. The person who lost had to get up and go to the back of the queue, and, uh, and that was sort of my my trial by fire with Street Fighter 2 back in the day. If you could even hit the SPD, were you the god? Like the, the people that just like I, I love the idea that that's like something that you had to pass down as well. Be like, because it's not a it's not a move that you do like accidentally as well. Like no, you know, no. Spin, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my uh, um, I can't remember exactly which birthday it was, but um, we rented a um, a Japanese SNES from the local video shop with oh, yeah. with Japanese Street Fighter 2, which obviously came out long before Street Fighter 2 came out here. And I was just, I mean, one of the most, <laughs> the greatest days of my life um, and had a birthday party where I ignored, tried, I, I just played Street Fighter in front of everyone. Just, <laughs> and I remember um, the everyone sort of left after the party was over and I was still sat there playing Street Fighter 2 on, on the SNES. And I remember the manual was it all in Japanese and I was going through all the characters trying to, to to learn their special moves but because the manual was in Japanese I couldn't decipher everything and I couldn't quite work out how to do Zangief spinning pile driver I saw it you know the the computer do it to me I was like how is that done couldn't work it out from the manual and I just remember getting so upset and trying all sorts on that horrible SNES d-pad to the point where my thumb was bleeding and my parents said, right, you have got to stop. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do work it out. I can't do this thing. What do I do? That was, uh, yeah. Street Fighter 2 was just, yeah. It's it's in my veins. To my it's these days with like how good uh, Street Fighter 6 is, and we'll get onto that a little bit later on in the episode, but just how good it is at like, uh, putting all of that stuff forward. Like, I know frame data based on just playing the video game now. Like, we never had that stuff back in the day. Oh, no. uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm not uh, sure I even know. knew what it was back in the day. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the other question we asked too is what is your favorite film of all time? Um, I think it's it's probably like if I'm if I want to sound cool, it's probably The Matrix. Um, just because, not just because of what it was and how, how cool it was when it came out, but the age I was when it came out, you know, I was, um, I just started university, I was 18, the matrix came out and it sort of blew my mind as a, as a concept, let alone as a movie. And, um, it was incredibly influential, but you know, I've got, I mean, I've got a guilty pleasure. That is actually my secret favorite movie of all time. And it's hackers. Oh yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen hackers. Absolutely. but it's this, it's kind of terrible high school coming of age movie where Angelina Jolie 
is one of the coolest like characters in any movie of all time and has a sort of love-hate relationship with John Lee Miller's character. They save the world through hacking. It's ridiculous, but it, it, it's such a fantastic you know m- movie to watch for fun, just as you know, having a bit of a laugh, and it's very silly, but also just I just love it. I love it to bits. No, I feel like hackers really defined an era of uh, like what I was interested in in media, and maybe even still today. Like I just love that kind of like not very self serious, but also incredibly serious at the same time. Yeah, like, that's the tone I kind of strive for in everything. Yeah, hackers rocks if you've never seen it at home. The music is fantastic. You know, there's hacker music on it. You know, Prodigy and you know all, all this stuff. Um, and the scene that I always remember as being like, I remember seeing it going, holy crap, I wish, I wish I could do that in real life, was at one point they're in the hallway in high school and John Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie are having this sort of hacker battle to try and one-up each other. They, they love each other, really, but um, uh, they're, John Lee Miller's hacked the school sprink, like, sprinkler system and he puts up an umbrella in the middle of the in the middle of the corridor and it all start all the, the sprinkler turns on and it soaks everyone. And Angelina is Angelina Jolie is absolutely furious that he, he's sort of done this to her. But you can also tell that she's like, Oh my god, you're so hot right now <laughs> Hacking Riz. I love it. <laughs> and finally, final question. Uh, what's your favourite T V show? Yeah, I mean everything I've said so far has really aged me. Um but um, it's X Files, and it's very specific. It's 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 X Files not just because it's a fantastic show in of itself, but also because it was my first sort of like experience of fandom, um, like the the sort of on earliest online speculationy type. What does this mean? You know, episode to episode, and it was so crude back then. You know, it was almost impossible to have any meaningful conversation with. With anyone yeah, over the internet, been, like there were no wikis at the time, so if you wanted to like look up a piece of information, bunch like, of message you know, boards of people yeah. arguing what over black goo meant. Exactly. Not even, not even Chris, the guy that wrote it, really knew what the black goo <laughs> no, was. No, I know. Point, so, but it was it's so much fun. To... So much fun to be involved in all that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna break your heart by telling you this, but it's coming up to 30 years since that show aired for the first time. <laughs> it's this year. There's a almost da- on an almost daily basis, someone says something. That I love is turning thirty, and mm. I can't. It's like a you know I'm almost I'm you know immune to the crumble to dust feeling at this point. <laughs> you know I mean if it's not Street Fighter, it's Matrix or it's something else. Yeah. You know? it's like it's all everything I love is is coming up thirty. It's great, brilliant. Do you have a favorite episode, Wes? Um, my favorite episode is the ridiculous uh, freak show episode, which ah. is like a, the comedy episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One because um, my favorite episodes in it are the ones that are the, the monster episodes, the monster yeah. of the week episodes, the ones that are in isolation, um, and that one is very much there. But it, I think it's one that's has stood the test of time, perhaps better than the others, because it, it's a rare sort of like. Oh, instance of them letting their hair down a little bit because next guys are so super serious and oh my god you know the conspiracy and everyone's in danger and you know you know what's the truth and then we had this episode where it is genuinely like taking the piss out of david Duchovny almost every in almost every scene and he's well up for it like he's he's clearly having a lot of fun and i just every now and again i watch we watch that episode and i just think how brilliant that era was where it was like 
you know, genre-defining entertainment, but also everyone was having a bit of a laugh, and it was quite fun. And I was like, yeah, it's just really nice to think about. Yeah, there's those occasional episodes where, it, where as you say, it lets their hair down. That that's not the that's not the one with Cher in it, is it? Is that the postmodern Prometheus that's got Cher in it, where I, there's just like a like a like a big musical number at the very end? I, no, I don't think that's that one. Mm-hmm. The end of that episode, there's someone from from the circus who has this wonderful monologue moaning about David Duchovny being this yes. like pillar of mandom and uh, yeah. how, and and David Duchovny is just sort of standing there, you know, with his hands on his hips, looking out into the distance. Clearly, like, you know, um, taking the piss out of himself. And it's just really great. I love it. Yeah, I remember, like, like, there was a, before kind of, like, you know, I do love it all the way through. It does go a bit off the deep end in the last couple of seasons, but before it gets there and it's hit that stride of confidence where it knows that, like, we can throw in, like, a really daft episode here or there. There's one that's almost entirely about him, like, dealing with the fact that, like, someone slips on a banana pie at some point, and it's all about a murder <laughs> that runs around there. It's so good. When it's good, it's real damn good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it 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 when and it can go from that to some of the most iconic horror yeah. on everyone's mm-hmm. heli, like, everyone remembers Tombs, who is, mm-hmm. like you know, top 10 TV villains, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it's got it all. I love it. Conspiracy, sci-fi, great characters, great acting. Uh, and nostalgia, obviously, for me now. No, it's 30 years old. Uh, <laughs> is there anything recent that, like, holds a candle to it, in your opinion? Um, well, I I think the, the sense of speculation online about what's going to happen next uh, or what things mean has come to be almost like the defining aspect of of everything let alone tv like everything mm. everything is a franchise everything teases something else and i think you know i'm kind of sick of it and i'm like you know i i i don't think i'm anything that i'm watching now that has got like that is very is very obviously trying too hard to be setting things up at every moment you know x files did it effortlessly first and it's very hard for me to. There's not much that I'm seeing. I, w- I will say that I'm I'm watching Silo on Apple TV at the moment, and Silo, mm. Silo which is I, I'm fearful it's not how it not enough people are watching it to justify a second season because it is wonderful. Uh, it's based on books. There'll be people who know the story and what is actually going to happen and, and all the rest of it. But I haven't. I'm a and, big and, fan of the books. I've okay. not watched it yet. I'm waiting to watch it all in one block with my partner. Uh, but okay. I love the books. Well, I'm just yeah. excited to find out what's in that silo. Is it grain? Is it <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of mystery? Um, yeah, it, I, I, I think it's tremendous, and it and it does the whole, um, you know, what's going on here thing in a very sort of like considered, confident, relaxed manner, where you're not, you know, you know, always being battered over the head with, um, you know, what could this mean? Um, yeah, silo, silo for me is really itching that X Files E conspiracy um is really scratching that itch for me right now yeah maybe we've got to give silo a little look i you know it's evaded me so far i'm well aware that it's out but yeah this is what i'm worried about you know everyone's like oh yeah i should watch silo (laughs) no one's watching it it's what happens with tv shows too like tv shows never take off until like the second season at least maybe as well like people are like oh people don't watch tv until they have to Right, they well, need well, enough people going. Like, oh, all right, go on, I will then. I do think it's in the safest place. Like, Apple are putting tremendous amounts of money into sci-fi 
sci-fi at the moment. Like they've got the biggest kind of budget sci-fi shows and real, real wacky concept work. Like the fact that they made um, Severance work is wild to me, but like that's definitely going ahead. So I think it's in the safest place it could be. It's on a channel that no one watches to begin with. So, <laughs> so the only yeah, way is right? yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, I mean they did a they did Foundation, which is just I can't believe someone's made mm. someone made uh, anything uh, out of Foundation. Um, I, I and actually the first Foundation on isn't that great. I don't think. Um, so, but that's getting a second season. It starts next month, and so if Foundation, which I thought was mostly crap, um, <laughs> is getting a second season, hopefully Silo, which is mostly superb, will as well. And that thing you were saying about throwing money at these things is absolutely right. Silo looks incredible. It looks yeah. so expensive. Like when, everything. When they looks- said that they were making it, because you know I've got obviously in, in my head what this place looks like. You know, have had for three books. And uh, I was like, oh, I didn't know who they were going to shop it out to to begin with. And then when they said it was Apple and I'd seen what other things that Apple had made, it was like, okay, there's going to be HBO grade money involved in this. It's going to look good. It does. It looks, it looks like really convincing Well, It looks like a silo under the ground in which 10,000 people have lived for generations. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a crazy thing to, to challenge people to create for a TV show without it being like this horrible CGI yeah. mush. Um, and they do a fantastic job. You know, it must have been an absolute nightmare. Um, Foundation looks fantastic as well. It looks like every, you know, they spent millions and millions on it as well. So they're putting their money where their mouth is. I just hope, <laughs> you know, I'll bang that silo drum. I want more people <laughs> to watch it. I want more silos. So. Well, Speaking about getting people enthusiastic for things that they haven't hey, got an opportunity to check there's, out there's yet. The, there's the secret question. There's the last question. That oh, no, you didn't tell me about asked. this one. There's another oh, one. Oh, is it? the? Oh, of course. I, I Forgive me. Uh, have you seen The Prestige and do you like it? Um, I haven't seen The Prestige, so I don't know if I like it. Oh, it's a very important watch. I think that might actually, we might need to put it on as part of the hiring practice. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. is this the thing where you decide if someone's allowed to stay, whether or not they like prestige, right? It sounds mm-hmm. pretty much basically. Am I supposed yeah. to like it or am I supposed to hate it? Well, I think by at least your six month review, you will need to have seen the prestige. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I need to have the right opinion though, if I want to stay on, right? So I'll, um, I'll do a bit of digging, find out which is the right sentiment. <laughs> You've got well, 700 podcasts to listen back to. I don't know when the prestige yeah. thing started on the <laughs> I podcast. Don't know either. Somewhere around Gab's beginnings, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good movie. And he's not around it. We could decide that we don't like the prestige. We could just Unfortunately, decide. Unfortunately, I do think new, it's a good movie. Yeah, we can just decide that there's a new mandatory movie for the the podcast. It doesn't have to be the prestige. You know what? I'm going to say it now. The new thing is that everybody's favourite show has got to be Silo. <laughs> Every episode, we've got to talk about how much we love Silo. <laughs> I mean, you know, I would be down with that. I tell you what, I, I promise that I will watch Prestige and have some hot take that's like 20 years too late mm. um, for the next time I'm on one of these things if I'm, if I'm allowed back. Yeah, you're in for a treat. It's a pretty good movie. Well, uh, we also got treated to a bunch of new reveals from Big Jeff. Big Jeff had his night uh, at the Summer Game Fest. Um, a lot of like interesting stuff, but a lot of seen that, stuff that we've seen before. It was good um, to get things like you know to be told when Spider Man's coming out. A mere mm. what is it like three days after um, Alan Wake or something like that? It's mm. like just stop it. 
<laughs> it is a massive month. Yeah. Like right now, early on in the year, we're even struggling to keep up with all the stuff that's coming out. Yeah. And like by the end of it, it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I will say is, I, I only mean stop it by please stop putting the releases so close <laughs> together. I really want to play Alan Wake and I really want to mm. play Spider Man, and it's basically going to be Alan Wake because I love Remedy and it's coming first. But I can't mm. wait to play a lot of these things. I think Assassin's yeah, but- Creed is out. In, yeah, in, in yeah, that was right. Yeah. As well. And I have played every single Assassin's Creed to completion, so it's oh, another wow. thing to try and fit into this kind of gap. I uh, I just need to give up playing games. Basically, that's mm. clearly the answer. Can you like maybe early retirement, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, this is not a new phenomenon. Like I remember when I my very first month as a professional games journalist was September two thousand and seven. And That's when every game came out. That was Bioshock. Every week, and, uh, every yeah. single week was another like, like banger. Every single mm-hmm. week, Mass Effect, yeah, um, Mod- Modern Warfare, the first Modern yeah. Warfare, Halo the Three. Darkness came out that year. Um, these are all like one week after the other, like Crisis, Rock Band, you know, Mario Galaxy. It was just mad. It was like, mm-hmm. and no one was. Everyone was like. Wow, this this is great, you know. Games are good Game. forever. <laughs> Little did we know. That, that was that was my first year at university, and uh, uh, I can remember spending a lot of student loan on games, and also very quickly realizing I needed to get a part time job to supply mm-hmm. this games habit. Yeah, but I bet you you'll have had a lot of time to play them, though, right? I played so much Rock Band that year. I can remember bringing Rock Band home from the local HMV and getting trapped in the turnstile to my halls of residence and having to have a security <laughs> guard come and let me through. But good God, did that Rock Band kit get a workout. I played that so much. Me and my mates, almost every day. Did you snap the pedal, by the way? No, That's the real no. marker. I had a, oh, I had a good I, yeah. drummer. He knew what to do with that pedal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did the, uh, you had to get like, because, you know, we couldn't just replace it. I'd already spent all the mm-hmm. money on the Rock Band kit. and to do the two knives trick where you like, <laughs> Yeah, you use them as like a splint to keep the pedal going. That's how much rock band I played. That's a great hack, that isn't it? Like mm-hmm. Old school hacks, putting turning things upside down and putting things on pedals. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, we just didn't have replacements. You know, again, kids just don't know how good they've got it these days. You couldn't you couldn't order a separate pedal too? You had to buy the kit again. That was the thing. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> enough nostalgia. We're looking forward to the future, of which uh, we got a uh, final, uh, like our first look at uh, Mortal Kombat 1's cameo fighters. Is it just Street Fighter that uh, tickles you, the fighting game no. fantasy, or is it? A... I mean, it's really funny because you were saying, you know, enough of nostalgia, let's look to the future. Mortal Kombat yeah. 1, <laughs> yeah. um, which is like a reboot and based on what I, I'm a massive Mortal Kombat fan, I should say. I love it to bits. Played the last one a lot, um, really fussed over getting good online, all that kind of stuff. And this one is definitely a nostalgia play, right? It's a reboot because Mortal Kombat just spiraled out of control. The story, generally speaking, the single-player campaign mode in Mortal Kombat is very good. and But it's just got completely impossible to understand. And I'm if, I, if I'm struggling like and I'm trying to keep up, you know, I can't, like, any newcomer would be like, what the hell is this? And so, yeah, their decision to basically start again, which is what they're doing, I think is a good one. I hate the title of it, Mortal Kombat 1. I just... 
I just, just bad flashbacks it. to Battlefield One, yeah. which always felt weird. Such a weird choice. Yeah, I just, I just don't like the way it sounds. You know, nothing should be have the one. I think maybe I'm a journalist, and I'm always like, cut the superfluous words, right? <laughs> and one is superfluous to me. It's just in my. That's brain. giving me. Um... Justin Timberlake from the Social Network uh, <laughs> cut, cut the one, just yeah. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I just like I want someone should have put their arm around Ed Boone at some point and said, "Look, mate, murder your darlings. You do not need this one at the end of Mortal Kombat." Um, like I actually think Mortal Kombat would have been fine um, because people would well, they just say, "Have you got? Have you played the new Mortal Kombat? Have you played you know?" And Mortal Kombat, call is, it that. You know the new Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah that would have been better than Mortal Kombat One. But yeah, they, they've got like, um, I saw from the trailer, they've got um, famous characters in their costumes that people remember from the, the original Mortal Kombat, like uh, Kano, um, Sonya Blade, and, um, you know, calling them in as cameo, like the cameo with a K. Um, I love it. I, I uh, although love not it. to be confused with the, uh, the Xbox 360 game. <laughs> uh. Oh, yes. Well, so like... Um, Ed Boone in interviews has always told people, look, don't think about it too much, right? Well, it's Mortal Kombat. We were just having a laugh. And and I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. People should not take this stuff too seriously. However, Johnny Cage is spelt with a C. Mm-hmm. So if, if, the, if the curly cur doesn't exist in the Mortal Kombat universe, how is Johnny Cage not spelt with a K? They really, it's always bothered me. I'm like, you know, I you'd t- think they'd, they'd use the rebooting of the universe as the opportunity to force that in, wouldn't you? <laughs> Fix your problems. Yeah, I know, but but yeah, I like the the cameo stuff. Um, looks like a really accessible com- combo extending opportunity, um, which I think is could be a lot of fun. Like it's obviously, I think Ed Boone mentioned it on stage. You can't spam this stuff; it's metered. So when you're calling people in. It's going to be, you're going to have to sort of govern that and manage that and think about when you're doing it. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really nice, you know, uh, change for Mortal Kombat and, you know, giving me some sort of Marvel vs. Capcom vibes. And, you know, I think he also said that you can, you can, a lot of the cameo characters will be, you know, they're going to dig into like, you know, other Mortal Kombat games, pull characters out that haven't been seen in years. There'll be a lot of like, deep cuts and nods to, to stuff for fans and those cameo characters will be for that, which will be, which is great. Um, but he also said you can be, you can pick Sub-Zero to play as and also pick Sub-Zero as a cameo. So you can have like Sub-Zero. Pl- call- Double ice yeah, blasts. Yeah. Come- and I think that is perfect, right? Because Mortal Kombat shouldn't be, you know, it should be just stupid and silly and you know, anything goes. And if it doesn't make sense, whatever, you know? So yeah, I really like the look of it. Yeah, I was convinced that the cameo fighters weren't going to be part of the regular cast because it's weird that I think that Johnny Cage is only being a cameo one, which is you know strange to not have Johnny Cage of all people as part of your main cast. But maybe later on down the line, I'm pretty sure Johnny Cage will be playable. Like mm-hmm. he's too he's too big a deal to to not have that. I mean, this is just rumored, by the way. I should say I don't have any inside sources. But, yeah. Well, I think they they said um, Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. His likeness and voice, his real voice, will be a Johnny Cage skin. Um, that rocks. Which is so, <laughs> it's so, it's brilliant. 
isn't it? It's so yeah. wonderful. Now you don't sell that for a cameo only character. Mm-hmm. Right? People will buy it because they want to play as Jean Claude Van Damme in Mortal Kombat, and if it's just a cameo character, they're leaving money on the table. Warner Brothers never leaves money on the table. So <laughs> if you can trust anything in this world. <laughs> Uh, we also got a, a look at, and I'm convinced this is never coming out through some like reason or another. But Pal World got a trailer at this, which yeah, it's, what a uh... bizarre <laughs> idea this is. I can, I can remember the first trailer for this, which was like last year sometime, and just by the burnt memory of that is just a sequence in which a load of Pokemon are building M16s in a factory, mm-hmm. like like little gun slaves. Um, not as dark this time around on there, but yeah, this, as you say, this doesn't feel like it's a game that could possibly make it to market. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe will be very different than what we expect it to be based on, you know, we've seen no mechanics, no anything other than kind of just some CGI stuff, but it's it's a hell of a sell. Yeah. It basically just wildly <laughs> looks to be like a Nintendo like lawsuit, action lawsuit waiting mm-hmm. to happen. <laughs> They're like, you would do a double take and you would think it was a Pokemon. Like, it's mm-hmm. not even, <laughs> it's so similar, but I guess just legally distinct enough. It looks like, to me, something someone would build in Roblox. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. like, I remember seeing it thinking, you know, that's not going to be a game someone releases. It's going to be something that you just download from within another platform, like maybe Fortnite's creation thing or whatever. And then someone will get upset and make it go away. And that that will be the end of it. But it's an actual game that appears to be happening. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it will come out. Uh, right. And... Uh, I'll give the two of you the floor for this one. Uh, Space Marine 2. Yay! Uh, it's, <laughs> it's fucking finally on its way. Oh, man. Um, so so I'm delighted to be able to say to everyone that I have been joined by another Warhammer 40k fan on the podcast. Wes uh, knows his shit when it comes to Adeptus Astartes. Uh, so, Wes, what did, you, what did you think of the trailer? Well met, brother. Um, <laughs> I thought it looked fantastic. I mean, it's all. It, it, this isn't our first look at the game. We've seen seen clips of gameplay before, and it's looked fantastic there. But it looks even better now. And also, the announcement of three-player co-op is just a wonderful feature for them to have. And I can definitely see myself spending a lot of time stomping around uh, that world, smashing tyrannies to bits. It's just. It looks like. They've really got that, the nailed the atmosphere, the bigness of 40k. Because mm-hmm. 40k is, you know, I've always thought it's been, it's other things other than the tabletop and the law side of things have really struggled to to properly translate the universe just because it's so enormous. The scale mm-hmm. of it, battles, unit size, you know, the scope of it, you know, galaxy wide stuff. But this has got that big, big play spaces, you know, a tight squad of space marines. You know, swarms of Tyranids, like the tech, the Tyranid swarm tech looks fantastic. This is from the same um, developer behind World War Z. And that you can tell that it was absolutely. What is the, like, Xenos enemy from Warhammer that best matches the swarm tech from World War Z? It's like, it's the Tyranids, isn't it? It is absolutely. Like, absolute perfect match for for that tech. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, And for some, like, I, I love. There's. You know, there's this thing like people are like, there's too many Warhammer 40k games, or just generally Warhammer games. There just seems to be like a, a new one announced every week. I think we're actually in the golden age 
of Warhammer games because most of them are pretty good. We're right? at a point now where it's like really strong developers have actually got hold of the license now. Yeah, they and there's some good ideas. They might convince me to get Rogue Trader when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like it looks good. I really, I really want to check it out. And I don't care about 40k yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah I've been playing does. a little bit of uh, Bolt Gun, which is obviously it's only made by Auric Digital, so very small kind of company from Bristol. But they did an absolutely tremendous job of kind of like making a boomer shooter in that. And the really lovely thing about it is it's set on the planet from the original Space Marine, so it's almost like this lovely little link between the original space marine and space marine 2 um all of the kind of like little that's the thing is when you get a a developer that understands the writing and the law is a gets the scale understands like how to because 40k is almost like half tragedy half comedy right like it's so big and absurd that it's very very silly but it's also completely like self-serious about itself and that's where the beauty of that universe comes and i think we've really found some developers now that actually understand how to convey that and you can see that in spades in that trailer for space marine 2 absolutely yeah i mean the like the heft of the space marine looks i looks really good like it's really difficult to make a space marine in movement look unlike buzz lightyear it's mm-hmm. like because because <laughs> when you think about it, it the suit is the same yeah. and and the movement is it's kind of you know physics defying you know mm-hmm. the the idea that if this can be a thing is kind of stupid in the first place and but they've actually done a really good job of making it look like it's it's quite it, he's not going to be like you know falling with style or that sort of thing it's <laughs> it's he's going to be like making his way through a place like and um and applying real force to things and I think that's that's the trick because um, space marines are supposed to be tanks. They're they're like people in ta- like that are tanks. And if they're sort of like floaty or they don't have any sort of like the right audio behind things, or if they, even if the camera isn't in the right place to sort of make diminish their sort of impact, it'll just fall really flat. And what I've seen of the, the trailer, what I've seen previously, I think they really understood that they need to nail just that that weight and that impact that that spaceman should have. <laughs> I could talk about this for a long time with you. <laughs> it's short, Matt. We really like the look. Of it. <laughs> I remember playing um, Space Hulk when it came mm-hmm. out because I was really into XCOM beforehand. And I just remember thinking that like the heaviness of it didn't work because it like the quickness of XCOM, the like the, you know, making a move and then deciding to take it back and then like testing like just couldn't translate because like the kind of game that I wanted to play wasn't necessarily like wanting to make a space marine feel good in heft doesn't necessarily also translate to a good video game so hopefully See, it works the, the, one of the big problems with space marines is they can also run like way mm. faster than anybody the the demon hunters game which is like xcom gets that a lot better and if you want something that doesn't do that that's still XCOMy, then you want mechanicus which is also very good um but yeah like they're a massive challenge to get right and that's why it's it's so like wonderful to see that saber have got it right at least from what we can see in three minutes trailer yeah i mean um demon hunters i really like i think is a great game it does have a bit of buzz Lightyear about it though i think especially mm-hmm. when they're sort of smashing through walls and things um but yeah this this looks so so good, and um, yeah, I was actually surprised by the winter release window. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was going to be um, pushed back 
relatively significantly because we've seen so little of it. But if they stick to that and that's a reasonable time frame for it to come out in a good good place, cannot wait. Well, speaking about a surprising amount of heft, <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is coming out on two discs. <laughs> <laughs> So I what? think the uh, I think the original one uh, came out on two discs, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. So remake was on two discs as well. But so that's three discs yeah. so far. That that is <laughs> that is two discs of PlayStation Five quality gizmos, basically. Um, yeah, wonderful for anyone that still uses physical. <laughs> Me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw this trending on Twitter last night as it emerged that the game was coming out on two discs. And it just made me think, like, back to when the original Final Fantasy VII came out mm-hmm. and, you know, the the sort of jewel cases, the PS, PS1 jewel cases that had to have all those discs in them. Um, I, was working, I was working Electronics Boutique, if you remember that, <laughs> back in the day, yeah. and, and having to take all that crap out of a jewel case, shrink wrap it, and put I was like, oh, God... But so I'm getting flashbacks to like, like old people at CEX now are like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it's kind of fun. It's a throwback. Like a, yeah. it's a novel, miss a novelty. Um, I remember yeah. when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out and being really surprised that there were multiple discs in that because like, a lot of the get games that obviously were on the ps4 generation just weren't were they like a blu-ray was big enough but to get red dead when it came on multiple discs was was yeah kind of like a throwback to i grew up on pc games which were all multiple every game i pretty much owned even monkey island came on two discs like monkey island 3 had a disc swap halfway through it um so yeah it is kind of a nostalgia bait isn't it for people of a certain age yeah i mean the question is is this do, is this really necessary? Like, you know, <laughs> from a physical, like, space that you need for this game, can it fit on a, like, is it truly necessary? Or is it, like, you know, are they having a bit of fun with it? Um, so I, it'll be really, what will be really interesting to see is the inevitable headlines that come when they announce how much of a hard drive this game will take up. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, for it to, to be across two PS5 discs, you know, it's going to need to be, you know, 200 gig, something stupid yeah, like well, that. I'm trying to think, what what was the deal with Jedi Survivor? Is there nothing on the disc for Jedi Survivor? Was that the, the, the headline for that? Because Jedi Survivor is about 148 gig. And I can't remember if there was like basically nothing on the disc or if there is enough on the disc to be considered a full game. Because obviously so much of it now is you put the disc in and just download the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if this is two discs, is it just because quite a lot of games these days require two discs if you actually put all of the game yeah. on a disc rather than having a massive day one patch? Yeah. So you're saying like a base PS5 that isn't connected to the internet at all, can you still play it but yeah, with like yeah. reduced mm-hmm. textures? Yeah, yeah maybe. Hmm. I like it, personally. I just want an extra thing. Give me a, give me a freebie. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe the second disc is just like cool, fun, off-cut stuff. Yes, yeah, it's, it's one you can uh, show off to your friends. Yeah, loads of games used to be like that, didn't they? They'd have like a yeah. second disc full of behind-the-scenes stuff and weird things. I still love all that. Yeah, bring back two discs. I mean, they are so. I'm happy. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the, there are two more big ones I think that we should talk about. So uh, I will just point out I ago. do think Final Fantasy looks really good, and I've got some stuff on the site <laughs> about it. Probably about now. Yeah, yeah. We also got your um, your, your inside investigative story. piece yeah, coming out this, very this soon. weekend. If you like Final Fantasy, you've played Final Fantasy VII before. Uh, you might want to check out the site uh, from about uh, five p.m. on Saturday because I'll have one of those big inside stories up, big community deep dive. Exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it yet, but it's no. right up my street. Say, you but... uh, you definitely don't want to read it unless you know the story of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very deep look at some of the fairly massive plot points in that game. Mm-hmm. Well, something also that you've worked very hard on is uh, taking a look at Lies of P previously, which finally yeah. got a release date announcement. Yeah, I stayed up uh, late. Well, I, I don't actually know what the release date is. What did they say it was? I'd have to look it up. I'm September... <laughs> September, is September like or is it October? I'm about no, to find I think it's out. September because I think it was pushed back from August. Yes, yes, of course. So it is coming out on September the 19th and they shadow dropped a demo uh, as part of uh, Keeley's big show. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of my night playing that um, and it is pretty good. I think mm. it is, it's absolutely a From Software ripoff. Like, yeah, it's the Bloodborne we have at home. Uh, well, what I'd actually say, the surprising thing is, is it's very Bloodborne in its environment design because it's it's obviously Victorian Gothic, in which you play as you know this Pinocchio little boy and everybody. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh Timothy God, Chalamet. he looks like yeah. <laughs> That's remarkable. How similar. Yeah, very much so. And then the world is full of these creepy puppets. Um, I actually think it plays closer to Dark Souls, largely because you have a block. And obviously the big thing about Bloodborne is that you can't block attacks. It's entirely a dodge-based system. Um, So it's surprising how a single mechanic alters the way that you think about it. But it is quick, like Bloodborne is. You know, it's it's faster than than any of the Souls games. Well, maybe probably on par with three. Um, But yeah, in terms of it's very clearly everything about it pulls on on. On, on the Souls games and Bloodborne. Um, it, it kind of has a slightly like regain system like Bloodborne has, where lots of good strike fastest attacks will you know get you some health. Um, you can refill your equivalent of an Estus flask by kind of damaging things. Lots and lots of stuff that's about it. But what I will say is it's the first kind of clone of a Souls game that actually felt like it captured the essence of Souls. And so I don't mind. It doesn't feel cheap Hmm. because of it. Whereas kind of something like 
the funny thing is, is this is exactly like Steel. Is it was it what was it, Steel Rising? Is it that there was the Spiders yeah, game, yeah. which was obviously them wanting to do a steampunk Bloodborne, basically, and that very much does feel like it's a kind of like you know the Tesco value version of what FromSoft <laughs> do, because it's so similar in so many ways, but they've clearly not got the budget and not necessarily like the very deep mechanical understanding of those games to quite do like a really good homage to it whereas whoever's made this like understands those games it really did feel like if you just told me that Miyazaki made this I think I might believe you um and so yeah it's good at least from the kind of two levels that are in that demo I liked it it's got some own little kind of like ideas so um your weapon is constantly blunting basically so you have on your arm a grinding wheel that you run your weapon it's up monster and down. hunter yeah it's yeah. monster hunter um, oh hell so yeah so you have to sharpen your weapon it's one of those that kind of like your weapon will really deteriorate in a boss fight so you either have to kind of create the space between you and the boss to sharpen the weapon or spend a consumable like instant sharpen thing um, and then he's got like this thing called the puppet string, which is the Sekiro vibe. The arm has got different things that you can slot into it, of which the one that you get in the demo is this like grappling hook that you can fire into enemies and pull them towards you and then stab them. Um, you have like a, a, a fable gauge, which allows you to do special attacks once you've like built up the gauge and stuff like that. So there are bits of it that have its own like sprinkling of flavor on the top of the very traditional FromSoft formula. But that combined with it feels tight, it feels responsive. I like the combat, and goddamn, if steampunk Victorian puppet freaks is not my cup of tea for a vibe, <laughs> um, yeah, like I genuinely really liked it, and it's on Game Pass, so it's going to be free. Yes, mate. You get an impression why Pinocchio? No, <laughs> but what I will say is, is there's a lying mechanic that they haven't really explained how it works. But this one, what I would say is in comparison to um, like your Dark Souls, this is a little bit more narratively rich in terms of, not that Dark Souls isn't narratively rich, because of course it is, but you have to do a lot of digging in Dark Souls to find it. This has a more traditional, like it's presented in front of your face. Um, and so there's, what I get the impression might be a little bit of its kind of Bioware nod in that lying is a dialogue choice. And when you lie, so for example, you have to go to a big hotel and puppets aren't allowed in the hotel, but because you are not a normal puppet, you can lie to get in. And when you lie, it comes up kind of like almost like the telltale style thing, like all of the internal mechanisms inside you are like grinding up because you're lying. Like it's like you feel the tension of the lie. And I'm interested, like if you keep lying, what happens to Pinocchio? Like, is he just going to, like, self-combust? But his nose doesn't I want to see it. No, no. What they do do, though, is the the loading screen is the loading bar is his nose. (laughs) that's good. Instead of saying now loading, it says now lying. And just the nose grows across the screen. So that's quite fun. Really, that's quite cute. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, I'm very interested to see what the actual lying mechanic is and if kind of like, you know, I've only lied once because that's the only opportunity I got in the demo. Does the nose come into it or is that going to be kind of like a folklore element of the game? I don't know, but I'm kind of, I'm intrigued to see what that kind of narrative thing plays into 
a FromSoft style game, which obviously traditionally is just very mechanical rather than narrative. I'm up for it. I'm up for another game I don't have time to play. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know if either of you, did you watch the Devolver Showcase? I have not caught up yet. Some okay. of it, I tried. It was very good. We got an opportunity to see the return of uh, our favourite video game mascot, Volvi. He's, uh, he's back. Um, but we also got to see, I think my favourite of the stuff that was shown off on this was uh, the new game by The Ape Out and uh, by Bennett Foddy of Quop and uh, Getting Over It fame. It's called Baby Steps. It's about being a 35-year-old man who didn't really get off the couch for a couple of years and is now independently controlling you you are independently controlling each leg um, oh, so is it like a proper game version of quop then basically yes yeah. absolutely with a kind of narrative element to it as well cool. yep it's about getting up hills um and it looks really really great i mean i love quop anyway like and go up as well it was really cool um yeah i'm big i'm bennett foddy head I want to make that be on the record for the podcast. Now people know. It sounds uh, yeah. like the absolute uh, like challenge it was for me to come out of the house after two years of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, that's totally it. I did. God, I can, I can totally imagine that's an inspiration. <laughs> I, I did watch the trailer for this, and I wasn't really sure what I was saying because I was sort of dipping in and out of the show at the time. It's very late, and um, I remember thinking that character looks like a night out in Croydon and I'm trying <laughs> desperately to find my way home <laughs> it was like the walk home from the pub game anyway, yeah I've lived everything it. is not quite working right that's it it's because it's an incredibly relatable experience is why I'm you know, why it's resonating with me uh well I was going to talk about the flash but I think we'll save that for another week because I think more people should see it so we can get into a little bit more of an in-depth conversation. Uh, my short thing is it's a genuine recommendation from me to check this movie out. I think it's very strange in a way that people are pro- probably not expecting. Uh, but let's let's talk about it with spoilers, I think, at another time. The thing I would like to do, Wesley, if you could scroll down in the little document that I've given you and read out this little piece of feedback, we can get into the real meat of what I'm, what I'm here to do this week. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I've already got feedback. Day day five. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, IGN UK crew. First time, long time, etc. Couldn't help but notice you guys didn't speak about Street Fighter. Oh, I see about Street Fighter Six, even though the episode came out in the same day. I love fighting games, but I have come to realise that they seem to be a bit of a niche sell. Why do you guys think this is? What makes a fighting game player? Would love to hear the crew's opinion on this. Respect the sea. Joe from South End. Oh, the respect the sea bit makes sense now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Yep, yeah, that's your first respect the sea as well. <laughs> I, I have to hope that you do respect the sea, otherwise it's. Uh, I live by the sea. Uh, I, yeah. I live on the south coast, so yeah, big respect to the sea. <laughs> nice. Everybody in the audience just popped to that. They were like, "Yeah, he said it." Uh, <laughs> this is like so- the podcast law that I need to catch up on. <laughs> Even I don't fully get it, but I'm happy that they're happy. The, so um, th- this email clearly came in. Were you on this episode, Matt? Because you you like one. you like fighting games, but I think the problem in terms of why we didn't speak about it is a we didn't get any Street Fighter code in advance, so we couldn't have spoken about it that week, and b quite a lot of us know very little about fighting games however we now have two fighting game people so everything's been solved yeah 
Uh, I think Street Fighter Six is utterly brilliant from what I've been playing so far. I think that there are so many interesting mechanical decisions, um, and I think the World Tour stuff is really funny and silly. I'm really very excited to dig into it and make a weird like combo creator character and get into some of the uh, like uh, avatar battles in the in the arcade sections. Uh, how about you, Wes? How you, how you finding it so far? It's tremendous. It is superb. One of the greatest fighting games of all, of all time. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that um, Capcom's done a quite incredible job addressing this very point um, that was raised here, like which is the inherent inaccessibility of fighting game genre. And there's been so many developers who've tried in the past to, to address this. And they've mm-hmm. spent a lot of time and energy with tutorials, you know, onboarding stuff, um, without addressing remember... the fundamental issues. I think Skullgirls was the first one that I played that really tried to explain mechanics. Like it was like, here's why you want to use these at these certain points, but even then, didn't quite have the tools that this one has to be able to decide. Like you know, even for yourself to be able to go like, this combo will work because I can see from the frame data of this that I've got an extra four frames, and I know that a punch will take four frames, so I can you know lob that in at the end. Well, so this is the thing. This is the problem. It's the, the problem isn't that people can't understand the mechanics or they can't understand why certain things should should be doing what they should be doing. The problem is is that fighting games are inherently difficult to control um, be, because you have so much to consider. The, the input commands, generally speaking, are much more complex than any other video game genre to perform an action that you would you would consider to, to be useful. In, in a competitive sense, right? Just when you think about, let's say, a, um, a first-person shooter, um, the act of shooting is a button press. Right? The act of aiming and shooting is two button presses, and that's you know you move around, but that's genuinely it. Um, like MOBAs, like which are very difficult, really. It's not because they're difficult to control. It's because they're complex in terms of like you know systems and items and other things you need to know to, to play the games. Fighting games are inherently difficult to control. You know you've got six, typically you've got six buttons with Street Fighter you do that that are different attacks, and then input commands, which and then can even be some very, of those buttons. Difficult. Yeah, like, if you if you press two buttons, sometimes that becomes a totally different move. Exactly, and yeah. those two buttons are different depending on which character you're playing as well. Like that. Ugh. And and that yeah. that is why I think Street Fighter Six is 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 a genuine like um, genuinely successful attempt to to address this problem because they they've added the modern control system. It's just like mm-hmm. M. You see it on top of the screen when you're playing. People are using it, and they Capcom rightly do not split matchmaking by those who click pick classic controls. And those who nope. pick modern, everyone's in the same matchmaking pool, and that's the right decision because you don't want newcomers or people who are using it to feel like they're second-class citizens or they're being looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think you could probably get really far with modern controls if you know your solid fundamentals. Unfortunately, at the minute, not a lot of them do, but we'll get there. But if you are new to fighting games and you don't want to learn combos to begin with, you just want to get your fundamentals down. You want to learn how to like, you know, tech a grab or like, you know, what beats a sweep, like that sort of thing. You need to know to be able to play, but to lower the barrier of entry down to be able to then decide that you want to learn combos at some point, you've got it now. You can actually be involved and in getting it like. You can get down to the bare fundamentals now, 
yeah, you can actually play the game, which is the mm. a thing that we spent thirty years trying to work out how to do, um, and and it's and it's fantastic. Like and and the like learning what beats what is is all competitive um, video games. Like that as a concept is that is not in, like inherently difficult or inherently uniquely difficult to Street Fighter. Like you, know, you Call of Duty, picking the gun that beats the the opponent for the the sort of range that you're having a, a gunfight in is all part of learning the game. And you know MOBAs, you know what what is the ability that I should be using? But they're just they're just clicks, they're or they're just one button presses or whatever. So be, being able to almost turn Street Fighter into a game that you can control almost effortlessly in the same similar sense to other genres opens up the things that are exciting about it which is the mind games and the spacing and choose knowing what beats what in certain situations and what to use when that makes those sort of considerations things that make fighting games great um available to everyone because uh, no one's playing street fighter because they really enjoy doing the mo input command for a spin pile driver like, <laughs> like no one's like i really love doing a 360 degree motion and pressing a button people are like i really want to play street fighter because i want to do that move to my opponent and you know psych them out but with a mix-up following that that's the stuff that people really love if you just give that opportunity to more people then you're sort of solving these problems. So that's that's why I think it's a really successful game. Mm -hmm. There's so much like small stuff in it that I find myself really enjoying too. Like, like certain like animation delivery is like it's polished to a shine. Um, I think about how like good uh, the Manon like super is, where like you get a grab uh, and then she's like a ballet dancer, so she's posing you in ballet positions as the camera's cutting, and it's just it's funny every time. Like this really has like a fun sense of humor to it that like totally disconnected from any of the competitive stuff. It's just fun to look at. Oh, like, oh it's yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the um, the single player campaign earlier. World, mm -hmm. world tour. Um, Capcom's having a, a laugh of this game. Like it's completely yeah. out there. And I, 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 I finished the campaign, and my my favourite bit of it is the when I got a text message from Ryu, uh, who apparently has never used sent a text message before, um, <laughs> and he he signs all of his text messages Ryu, and you That's have dialogue great. options. You can choose to go, mate. You don't have to sign every single text that you get. Or you can say you can choose to say you're doing great. You're just learning how to text. Keep at it. And and, and I'm like, what am I, game am I playing? Like, this is like, <laughs> I'm I'm doing a Ryu dating sim right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, like you know, I've never been said anything like that before about Street Fighter game. It's really great. It's great. Play Street Fighter. Even if you don't think you'd like it, you might find something here. I'm genuinely thinking about going to a um, a, a session to play it in, with people on Sunday, like in person, Ooh. which I would never do before. Like I really liked Street Fighter Four. I didn't really get into Five for whatever reason, though. I did play a little bit of it, but Six has me has me feeling some ways. Who do you mean? Oh, I'm a Ken player. I know, oh, I know. no. <laughs> oh, we were getting on so well. Yeah, no, he just feels right. No, no one else kind of like... There's a saying that you should like pick a character that fits your hands, and he's like always just feels correctly for me. Well, you're part of the problem, 
Um, <laughs> I'm good, though, is the thing. Anybody that just, you know, wants to, you know, spam uh, Hadouken into Shoryu when you jump over, like, nah, thank you. I actually try and play the game So a you're not bit. a flowchart, Ken. I, um, I wrote a story for IGN today, or the day we were recording this, about um, a pl- players who've worked out the most popular characters on Street Fighter Six. I mean, it's only w- one week in. And Ken is at the top. Ken is mm-hmm. the most popular character. Um, so if you want, you know... If playing online, you're running into a lot of Kens. He's really strong in this game, though. To be fair, it's yeah. He's got so many options, honestly. Like, and every combo having a little like dash option too, and his dash also gives him an like advancement to all of his like specials too. Is like, it's just fun. I've been thinking about Marisa though. Like, I think that the like having armor on basically every attack is like, oh, it's so opens- good to beat the drive uh, mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, you th- you, they think they've got you, but you just do something that you normally do against it and they don't have anything for it. It's like, it's no better feeling. Yeah, oh, it's just like, just doing cool stuff. Uh, the, also, the, like, the little um, tiny things that I've noticed about them doing, like stuff with taunts, that like uh, Lily's taunt will block a fireball. It's just so I didn't silly. Know that, like, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because she does she's got a little camera, and so the camera flash is technically a projectile. Oh. So it, and it does a single point of damage. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. So you could imagine imagine killing someone with that. That's the old yeah, yeah. The last. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, it's stuff like that. It's like you don't need to include something like that, but it is funny that you've done it, is the stuff I love. It feels like we're having we're, we're having a really great time with fighting games generally at the moment. Like um, we just saw Mortal Kombat um, at Summer Game Fest, and I think that looks really great. I really loved the last Mortal Kombat, so I've got every reason to believe it will be. And that's coming out later this year. We've got Tekken 8 coming soon, um, and that looks really promising as well. Um, Arc System Works' is, fighting games are fantastic. Guild Gear Strive is great. The Dragon Ball game fighting game they made is superb. Um, yeah, it's a really, really good time for fighting games at the moment. I think absolutely so much to play. I, I also don't think that there's a better entry point than this one. Like, get this. This is this is the game if you want to ever you know figure out if you like fighting games or not, and then you can check the other ones out. Mm. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, I think we have got another little bit of feedback. If you wanna, if you wanna jump on that one, me yes, I can come in. So this one is from Daniel from Adelaide in South Australia, who says, Gents, hope you're all well, except for Joe, who's a twat and doesn't like praise. Well, Daniel, Joe hasn't worked for us for about six months at this point, so you don't have to worry about insulting him at this point. He's not listening either. (laughs) Um, I'd like to tell you about an unfortunate situation I found myself in. My in-laws were visiting from out of town, and I hadn't seen them for a year or so. Before they were due to arrive at my house, I was watching the Mel Brooks film The Producers, the 2005 remake. Having not knowing anything about the film, only that it was considered a comedy classic, I was very unassuming about the movie's plot. Needless to say, I was quite enjoying the absurd premise about the stage show glorifying the Nazis. However, it was at the very scene where Hitler was rising from under the stage, being flagged by the Nazi (laughs) eagle and swastikas, in which my in-laws came in and I was cackling away. Their jaws dropped. I had to hastily explain what movie it was and the context surrounding it, but thankfully they were good sports about it and didn't think too differently of me. This begs the question, have you guys ever found yourself in a situation where you've been watching something completely fine, but someone comes in at the wrong time and you have to sheepishly explain that it's fine and you're not some weirdo? All the best.
West from Daniel in Adelaide. And for Flying Fuck, respect the sea. I watch anime. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a short answer to that one. Pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. The Not a... Um, I, I don't think I've ever had anything uh, that comes to mind like immediately. But what I will say is, in a similar-ish boat... I was on the plane um, the other week going going somewhere and I was playing uh, Zelda and basically spent the entire time avoiding ever going to the Great Fairies because they <laughs> their visuals and the noise that they make is a little bit of the sort of vibe that I don't really want while there's someone that doesn't understand video games sat next to me. They, uh, they sound like they're having a bit too much of a good time in that flower. They are. That's canonical. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Like, this isn't exactly the right, situ- the same situation. But it's, just hearing you read that out, this just brought flashbacks to this for me, which is, um, God, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think it was nine, eight, maybe. And um, my uh, and I'd been I'd gone to bed, and then woke up. And you know, when you're a kid, and you sort of like creep downstairs, and your your your, your parents are watching something that is for grown-ups, and you know, because it's well, of course they should. I'm a parent now, uh, and um, they were watching Jean Claude Van Damme's Kickboxer. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And um, I. Um, don't think that they saw me, but I um, ever so slightly opened the the the, the um, living room door so I could watch the telly um, while they were watching the movie as well. And I got a decent chunk of it watching it from that pers- perspective. And at the end of that movie, um, there's like two sets of kickboxers that are sort of competing. I don't I doubt anyone has seen this, this movie, but there's two sets of kickboxers in, in a tournament. And they've been rivals throughout the entire film and, um, you know, very bitter rivals. And at the very end, um, the, 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 um, the winning team gives the other team their, their winning medals as, and, and they're all like friends. And I burst out crying. It was so emotional. <laughs> it was like one of the saddest, most heart. Like, it was so, oh my God, I can't believe. And I remember my parents both, I can still see it now, turned their heads on the sofa, looked at me and was like, what are you doing watching this? You should not be watching, because it's quite violent. Um, and I, I was in floods of tears because it was such an emotional ending to the movie and I got caught watching Kickboxer <laughs> when I shouldn't have and I basically ran up, ran upstairs but back to bed. That's the only thing, this is bringing flashbacks to that to me. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to be a kickboxer after that, and I don't think my parents thought that was adorable. <laughs> I uh, I feel like mine was too much of a, a cop out, and you've also reminded me of something that, uh, like, the second, I think the first anime that I ever watched that wasn't like Pokemon uh, was the like notorious uh, UK dub of a show called uh, Urusayatsura. Uh, which is also called Invader Lum. Uh, at least it was in the uh, the UK. So the BBC put on like two episodes of it that they dubbed by like uh, Matt Lucas and uh, Lauren Laverne, uh, and it's really really good. You can't find it now. It's occasionally will go up on YouTube for a little bit. Um, 
But there's a bit of it where a plot point of the first episode is that the girl gets her bra stolen. And I'm like up late at night at like 10 o'clock watching this. I'm like, this is amazing. I've never seen an animation like this before. But also there's a bit where like a girl is topless in it and I'm just like scanning the room. I'm like flicking to other channels constantly and like half watching it because I don't, I know I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm like watching it for a little bit and then changing the channels just so that I don't get in trouble if somebody walks in. Yep. God. Mm-hmm. Not, not really that sneaky, is it, Matt? No, not at all. <laughs> anyway, check out the UK dub of Yurisei Yatsura if you ever get a chance. It's very funny. Uh, I also got a tiny little bit of feedback as well, saying, and this one is from Adam, who says, you had some feedback last week for somebody who was looking for suggestions on what to get their partner to play. My fiancé... <laughs> Oh, going to take that one once more. My fiance is relatively new to being a gamer. Some of the games she's found easier to get into are the Resident Evil games. Resident Evil 2 or older titles such as Resident Evil Revelations often have a slower pace of gameplay and on easier difficulty levels can be much kinder to new players in regards to taking damage. They also have a tendency that when you take damage, you are given a relatively generous window to get away. Now, on to the real feedback. I'm sick of game chat on my food podcast. <laughs> Not long ago, I was at a party with a group of friends and a group of people I wasn't familiar with who got rather merry. The following morning, having slept at the house party I was at and hanging out of my ass, I stumbled downstairs and ate a large amount of the leftover ham and mushroom pizza in the kitchen. Turns out, the mushrooms were not of the chestnut variety. I spent a very strange Sunday tripping in a chair while my friends apparently routinely checked on my well-being. This leads me to my question. What is the strangest topping that you've had on a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Probably Adam requires explaining here that we talk a lot about food on this podcast. Um, we don't mean to, but yeah. then suddenly we end up doing it. Yeah, oh, Sounds good to me. I mean, food's yeah. got fans too, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I got an easy answer for this one. There's a place near me called Crate. It's right by the river in Hackney Wick. It does a potato and sage pizza. I was about to say roast potato is uh, uh, mm-hmm. the most interesting thing I've had on. Not that obviously it's it anywhere nice? here. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's so good. Roast potatoes on pizza. So, so they were sliced mm. roast potatoes with gorgonzola. It was mm. delightful. Yeah. Holy moly. There was a little bit where, uh, this was a couple of years ago now, but Pizza Hut did a roast uh, roast dinner pizza, which was really good. It's, it's, that sounds a bit too, I don't mind the potatoes, but the idea of like a whole, like, what's it got, like slices of roast beef on it and mm-hmm. stuffing yeah, like carrots. Gravy? I think, I think it was like uh, red onion sauce as well. It was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I could have that right now. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I need to go back in time to be able to have a roast dinner pizza. Um, That's yeah. Sounds- terrible to me all of it <laughs> but if you're ever in hackney wick summertime you might be right by the canal have a have a potato and sage pizza you won't you won't regret it it's like sliced uh like grated potato as well so it's almost as if it's the cheese it's very but then nice. it's not the cheese though is it no, it's potato it's <laughs> grated potato yeah <laughs> oh, God. oh it's good i don't think I'm, I've had i want anything one now weird. i might do that tomorrow <laughs> i don't think i've had anything i'm very very safe when it comes to pizzas and I usually just go for Fiorentina every single time. I love an egg on a pizza, so mm. I'm very boring, extremely boring. See, I think I think some people would think that an egg was adventurous, though, right? Like, if, if you consider pizza is basically like pepperoni, then the egg, it's wild. Well, you get, like, this is a standard option 
and it, like it's on all the <laughs> menus, so I wouldn't call it strange. Certainly not like your um, your horrific roast beef <laughs> monstrous monstrosity, but it's a it's a fried egg, right? Yeah. If it was scrambled egg, that'd be weird. <laughs> that'd be disgusting, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just throw some like more fried breakfast on there. Why not? Um, yeah, I I I can't think of a of a, a crazy topping that I've had on a pizza. Yeah. There used to What's be a the... pizza that I used to get occasionally when I used to live in Bath uh, from a really, really great place there called The Oven, which is like owned by an Italian family. And they did one that's got like uh, like jam and walnuts and loads of rocket on it, which oh, is I actually quite really nice. Good. It's like a, like a Waldorf salad, I guess. Then, sort kind of, of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I could do but that. But obviously with a lot of cheese and, and tomato sauce and bread underneath it. Mate, I've realised I'll eat pretty much anything. Honestly, I don't think I've got a sense of what's bad and what's good. If it's yeah, if it's in front of me, I'm happy. Jam on a pizza, I don't know. There's too I'm many things it. that it could sort of like bleed into that you typically get on a pizza. That's putting me off a little bit. You know, like yeah. the idea of getting like baked beans with with other things on your plate that might have similar consistency and it would sure. be mm-hmm. like. Bleh. Sort of so baked bean food pizza, if you want. Oh to have. god! Imagine. <laughs> um, question for the audience: I think, what's the weirdest meal to put an egg on? What 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 meal would you never want to eat an egg with? <laughs> uh, and I think that'll just about do it for us. Uh, Wes, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, Thanks for meal. I hope you have a long and illustrious career. Um, <laughs> uh, Depending on what I think week. of the prestige, it will all depend on what I think about prestige. Yeah, it might, it might be shorter than you think if that's, uh, <laughs> that question isn't answered the correct way. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the feedback email, if you want to send us anything, is feedback uh, underscore... No, it's IGN you... underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. I never do this. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for joining us. What music we have in this week? I don't really, street fighter really music. music it feels like we've done a lot of street fighter chat this week yeah so. the music is really the character select theme is mm-hmm. really good actually maybe we'll do that if we can find that and girl, right. girls theme does go with everything so. mm, oh yeah girls theme then oh, if we can find a way to make it you know the um the spider-man 2 pizza song if i could find a way to match up the two of those <laughs> i'll do that at the end here <laughs> all right bye, bye. bye. <laughs>